Hey, one quick thing before we get started. I just want to remind you that this podcast is for information, education, and entertainment. It is not a substitute for therapy or therapeutic intervention. If you find yourself in crisis, please visit your local emergency room or contact a crisis hotline. everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you're listening to the Labors of Love podcast. Today, I'm excited to have a conversation with my guest. She is the owner of the Peach Cobbler Factory in Westchester, Ohio. I have with me today, Deneen Glenn. Hi, Deneen. Hi. How Hello. are you? Well. Good. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I'm very excited uh, to have this conversation with you. Um, so I'm going to start with you like I do all my guests and ask, what is your labor of love? You know, cooking actually has always been my labor of love. And I, I really didn't know it because um, I've been I've been a social worker for the last 28 years. And even after a hard draining day, after work, I would cook, you know, I would think of recipes. I would think of something that, you know, just, I wanted to try and I would go to the kitchen and that seemed to provide balance for me in a lot of ways. So a lot of people would say, how could you go to work? How how could you cook after a long day at work? It was my piece actually. So that's it. Thank you for sharing that. So and full disclosure to my audience, um, you and I really don't know each other. So we're going to be getting to know each other in this capacity. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that you were a social worker. So that mm-hmm. is uh, definitely, I would love to hear how you journeyed from there to where you are. But I want to mm-hmm. say that, you know, Danine is a guest because um, we had start seeing, Jay and I had start seeing advertisements on like social media for this peach peach cobbler factory and and it had its nerve to be like pretty much in our backyard so right around where we live (laughs) which is interesting because for us um living in like a northern suburb we usually have to travel some good ways you know a little bit to to get to some of the stuff to support black owned businesses and things like that and so when we found out that it was coming it looked real good and it was like really close we were like oh we gotta try it so we went um, pretty close to opening, like when you all first opened and mm-hmm. it was so good. So we were in there, you know, being us making noises and <laughs> as we were eating and joking, but you know, Denine came out to check and see how everything was as the owner. And I was like, man, I would really love, uh, I would really love to meet you and yeah, talk to you. So I'm, I'm really excited. Awesome. So please share for 28 years, you worked in Mm -hmm. social work. So tell us a little bit about what area of social work you worked in, and then maybe walk Mm -hmm. us through how you transitioned from almost three decades of doing that work to, to starting where you are now. Right. Well, I was a social worker at a nonprofit for most of my career. I've worked with older adults and people with disabilities and I love that that population. Um, I love providing an opportunity for people to remain independent, you know, and 
with the with the elderly population, a lot of times, you know, they get left out a bit, not listened to. And I just wanted to be that person that showed them that you are valued and I'm here. I'm one of those people who will show you that. So all of my 28 years, older adults, people with disabilities, some um, some individuals uh, have mental health issues, challenges, and I, I don't know, it just I just love working with them, you know, they're, they're, they have a story too. And I feel like I have a, you know, a calmness that will actually show them that they're important. I don't know. I'm not very loud person. I'm kind of laid back and some people need that. You know, I need that myself. Mm-hmm. So, um, like I said, after, you know, work, because every time you, every time I went to work, just a little piece of me would would go with that, you know, and you have to find a, a way to replenish. And cooking was really that thing for me. And then what cooking made other people do or how made other people feel, they they really enjoyed it. My family, I love when people are enjoying their meal, you know, and it, it feels good that something that I made could make make them happy or make them smile. So I did it a lot, um, even made a little cookbook, you know, a recipe collection. So I think all of my life, I spent a lot of time in the kitchen with my grandmother. Uh, cooking has always been around me. She she gave me my first taste of a taste sensation that I will never forget to this day. And it was like one of those pot roasts with a piece of onion on there. And she gave it to me. And I was in love. How old were you and when that? I think happened? I was like five. Hmm. Five. Pot roast with a piece of raw onion. I don't know <laughs> what it did, but it was so good. And um, she just knew how to make simple things taste delicious, hmm. right? And so I just picked it up, stayed in the kitchen with her, helping her cut potatoes, snap beans, whatever. It was just a part of being together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it just stayed with me. And it, it reminded me of a, you know, that soft place to land was in the kitchen. Yeah. Well, before you transition yeah. to talk about where you are now, I think some of the things that you're highlighting that I very much appreciate and I talk about very often is relationship. Mm-hmm. So much of what you've described thus far is all about Uh, safety and healing in relationship. And so Mm -hmm. for the population that you worked with for so long, um, I always consider them to be double whammied, right? So we live in a very ageist society Mm -hmm. uh, and culture that places um, value and emphasis around a certain parameter of ages. And that really is when you become the age of majority. So around 18 to really around 40, (laughs) You know, and it's like in that space, we have been culturated to believe that like those are the prime years, right? Right. Before that, you don't really have a voice. You don't really have an opinion. You know, people are not listening to you. You Uh are treated as if you are supposed to do what you're told because you were told to do it by someone older. You reach this age Mm -hmm. of majority and you go through whatever they're calling these prime times. And then you hit a point where you hit a quote unquote decline. And all of a sudden, the value that you held 
Mm -hmm. during periods of time began to decline. And then when you become Mm -hmm. an older adult, our culture by and large has lost the concept of elders. And in so many of our indigenous communities, elders, their wisdom, their life experience Mm -hmm. and the roles they play in our communities and our families are upheld and Mm -hmm. valued. But now it's kind of like, oh, they oh, get them out of the way. And so you have that. And then you talk about people who have disabilities who are chronically isolated, chronically left out. Um, Because again, we live in an ableist (laughs) culture that says, unless you are able to do things a certain way, you Mm -hmm. don't have value. So you put the combination of those things together. And, um, you know, I get to intersect with folks like that sometimes, um, though a lot of my work is with, you know, younger people. I, I do um, intersect a lot with folks who are definitely abled and it is just amazing what presence can do. Just amen. Amen. And that is, that is, you just spoke volumes to me with that word because presence, that's what I wanted to give presence. presence value. You know, what you're saying does matter. I'm not going to interrupt you. I'm not going to uh, tell you what you need to do. You know, I've heard that and it's just the lack of respect. And I don't know if it's just growing up with my grandparents that made me have this love and respect for older adults. I don't know. I I just feel like they have a a wonderful story. Everybody does. Mm -hmm. And um, that everybody has value. And I think we need, we're not here for ourselves. We need to support everybody. And my work was supporting those, those older adults and, and individuals with um, differently abled. I love that you said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And I, I just got this vision of you as a little girl in the kitchen with your grandmother. And it yeah. makes sense to me. Now, I, I do want to, you know, I want to be on record to say, like, I understand the complexities of relationship across many spectrums. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, some of us have had such traumatic experiences growing up that mm-hmm. the relationships we have with the older adults in our family is part a factor of the things I was talking about, kind of the culture that we're growing up in, but not mm-hmm. a lot of older people in our families, to be honest, planted the seeds of relationship and trust and relationship. Right. So uh, that is definitely a factor. But when I, mm-hmm. you know, hear your story, see your smile, and even the tone of your mm-hmm. voice, when you talk about your grandmother and growing up with your grandparents, and she, mm-hmm. she gifted you presents by allowing oh, you into did. the kitchen. Think about mm-hmm. how many times, you know, more recent and in, in these recent generations, if kids are in the kitchen, and I can be guilty of it sometimes too, it'd be like, y'all get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all taking up too much space. Y'all making yeah. too much noise. Y'all going to mess up something. Y'all going to get hurt. Right. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like a shooing them out. Y'all go play, mm-hmm. go to a place that's more kid friendly. But when I think about how many people were invited into the kitchen, that oh, a yeah. knife, a knife can't hurt you if you teach somebody how to use it. You so that's so right. <laughs> you know, And so those who were fed into relate people who had older people feeding them relationship. Mm-hmm. had a comfort and a confidence to mm-hmm. do things like be in a kitchen with dangerous things because the relationship yeah. was there to provide, to teach, to support. Yeah. And so it seems like that was a very like rich fundamental part of your mm-hmm. upbringing. It really was. And and that's where we gathered, you know, we'd have a big house or an apartment 
And I, I come from extremely humble beginnings and I'm used to being crowded with my family wherever. And um, we usually gathered in the kitchen. It mm -hmm. didn't matter where, but people hung out in the kitchen. You know, they talked in the kitchen. Um, we just sat down in the kitchen. We ate in the kitchen. It was just our community happened, actually. Yeah. So felt so good. So now you have left social work and essentially mm -hmm. have started a whole second career as an entrepreneur, a mm -hmm. restaurant earner, and having worked in the restaurant industry for three years, three months, and three days. Um, it is no joke. It is no <laughs> so, joke. So in uh, and, and, and being an entrepreneur now, like the combination of those things. So what made you move from this passionate presencing work that you have been doing, like I said, for almost three decades to decide mm -hmm. to embark on something so ambitious as this? Yeah. You know, I, I did go to culinary school because, again, cooking has always been a part of what I like. I could talk about it all day, but just the science of it, you know, why, you know, cutting uh, vegetables a certain way what does why do we have to dice something as opposed to grate it you know and just learning that kind of thing and what the food imparts to it to a dish um I, it, it's always been very fascinating to me and I sort of fell into social work because those are the types of classes that I, I took in school and, and college and um I didn't know I was taking all of those classes, but all of a sudden, you know, I could graduate with social work degree. I'm like, really? I guess that's what I'm going to be. Mm. But in doing that, um, again, food has always been a part of my life. Uh, it does bring about uh, a feeling of calmness and feeling a fire as well. Mm. Like I'm really ambitious when it comes to cooking and I've always had this little side hustle, I say, of, of just doing something on the side all the time. And nothing ever felt right unless I had something else to do. Mm -hmm. I could work a nine to five, but I always had to have something of my own to do. So that's why I, I did this cookbook, which was a recipe collection um, from friends and family I have this little business called Nini's Pretzels where I make these uh, caramel spiral chocolate dip pretzels. So, and that's still a business. And then, you know, I got promotions at work and all of that kind of went by the wayside. But as I, the more I progressed at work, the more I longed for the kitchen, mm. the more I longed to do what I always wanted to do, which was to have my own. And I don't know why that happened, but it just did. I got a promotion, became supervisor at my at my job. Uh, about a year and a half later, I got promoted to manager. And it seemed like the higher up I got, the more things started to look a little differently to me. Mm. The more I started to think about uh myself and what was important to me and you know like you only live once that's what I thought I like I gotta go for it and that's what I did yeah. that's what I did well again you said I think so many pivotal things one thing I specifically want to highlight is you mentioning that you went to culinary school and you mm -hmm. talking about there being like science behind it. Now, this is literally nothing against 
people who learn through tradition and who go into the kitchen and experiment. But I also Mm -hmm. do want to point out that sometimes across many areas of life, people don't put enough respect on what it takes to, Mm -hmm. to hone a craft, you know, Mm -hmm. cooking is science. It is, it's physics, it's chemistry. Mm -hmm. It is all of these things that, you know, that people sometimes just think, oh, if you have a kitchen and you got some pots and pans that you can do it. And, and I know I look, I can make some things work. My, my family will not starve. As a matter of fact, my husband, Uh that's why we won't starve. (laughs) (laughs) y'all. It ain't on me, but I always have had, even when I worked in the restaurant, understanding like there are levels to this thing and there is a lot of commitment and understanding that Mm -hmm. goes into cooking especially when you are um creating recipes when you Mm -hmm. are creating new things so I just wanted to highlight that um that when we go into whether it's a small mom and pop or whether it's a big chain restaurant know that there are people there who have dedicated a lot to hone in yes. on their craft and how we really, really, really have to, I really encourage us to have a lot of respect for things that people are doing. The other mm-hmm. thing that when you were talking and you can let me know if this fits you, but um, I have seen this happen time and time again. And because I'm a therapist and mental health and, and in mm-hmm. that realm is where I've spent a lot of time, what happens is someone comes in as direct care. Direct care could be any position that works directly with the population that uh, organization and agency or whatever is serving. And they love the work. Mm-hmm. And what happens in this realm is if you're good at what you do, you get a promotion. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Now, what they don't do is oftentimes train you and teach you how to do the promotable job. They just promoted you because mm-hmm. you were good at what you do. And then as people mm-hmm. continue to get promotions, a couple of things happen. One, they are oftentimes not supported as they climb and, and get promoted. And they are not they're not supported with like supervision, but they also not supported with helping increase their skills to what they're doing now. And the further you get promoted, the further you are away from the actual job that you loved. And so, yeah. so many times people are like, oh my God, I, like you said, I love presencing. I love being present with people, just listening to their stories, letting them know they matter. Three promotions mm-hmm. later, you might not step foot into someone's home or be working directly with them ever. You mm-hmm. are now supporting right. the people who are supporting the people. And so people yeah. get to a point where they're like, do I even want to do this anymore? Because mm-hmm. oftentimes, you know, so many of our systems, they're just exploitative. It's And social work is no different. And so it's like, oh, you can do this. And then they start to see if you have skill or you can do that in a shorter time frame. They don't go, oh, now maybe with that extra time because you did that shorter go back and have have one person that you're going to go see no they go let me give you more stuff to do because <laughs> mm-hmm. clearly you're good enough to do this so do some more and so I'm just curious right. if some of those things played a factor in you reevaluating what you wanted to do I think a little bit what what really got me was that the expectation of who I am well not even expect yeah I think it is the expectation they expected me to be someone that I was not. Mm-hmm. And I felt like um, I I was kind of changing into someone who I was not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was an expectation that I'd be a certain way of a certain type of leader. Yeah. And even before I left, I said, you know what? 
I believe that the type of leader that you want me to be is, you know, it's going against my personal values and integrity. So based on that, I got to let this go, you know, and um, I, I want to be a different kind of leader, the kind of leader that I choose to be, uh, not someone trying to turn me into something that I don't want to be. Yeah. And not everybody has that opportunity, but, you know, I'm a praying person and um, this was in the makes and I said, or in the works. And I said to myself, oh, I can work. And as long as I hire smart, I can work and do this. What in the world was I thinking, mm. you know, but I believe the most high has a way of revealing things to you to me, especially during this time and um, just the way things started to unfold, I realized that that was no longer the place for me. And it's a great agency. It really is, but it's not, it's not for me anymore. I'm at a different place. Mm -hmm. And so based on that, I left. And now that I'm here, I'm thinking, how in the world were you going to do both of those things? <laughs> yeah, that oh, hindsight man. revelation, like, girl, yeah. Please. You, when, uh, man, dropping gems you are. And <laughs> when you said, if I hire smart, I, ha I, I have this conversation frequently. I was meeting with a good friend of mine yesterday, and we were just talking um, in general. We were reminiscing on our time back in community mental health and, and now doing these mm -hmm. things. And I said, listen hiring it starts with hiring and what I was talking about is um I still do a lot of consulting work with organizations and agencies and I said it is so much easier to build a culture than it is to change one mm. and mm. when you are intentional about building the culture that you want some of the issues that or places businesses go through when they just trying to get bodies in and thinking once they get the bodies in, they'll, they're, mm -hmm. they'll shift that culture. It just, it doesn't work like that. No. And yeah, it took my previous assistant leaving and me transitioning to a new assistant um, because I love my first assistant. She went and got the, her dream job and I got to let that butterfly fly. She is amazing yeah. and brilliant, but it was only because I never thought of myself as I don't, it always just felt like me. She, yes, she was a contracted worker. I didn't think of myself as a boss. I didn't think of myself as a mentor. Mm -hmm. I didn't think of myself as hiring. Like I didn't, I wasn't thinking mm -hmm. about that until we got mm -hmm. to the point where we were transitioning her out and the feedback about the culture I had established. And I wasn't thinking about that. Then I thought mm -hmm. about like, yeah, Jay, my husband, but he's also a contracted worker for my business. And so yes. between the two of them and then now my new assistant, I realized, girl, that's what you were doing. You were yeah. intentional about building. Oh, and, and and honestly, I didn't think about it because I was just being my most authentic self. Mm -hmm. And I was telling mm -hmm. people what I needed them to be in their most authentic selves. And I wanted them to be authentic. And then I'm yeah. like, there you go, girl. You, yeah. you were building that culture. So I want to hear mm -hmm. about how you're doing that. But first, I want to know, like, why the peach cobbler factory well you know uh, it could have been why not the pot roast with raw onion factory right right, right. <laughs> what made you go <laughs> this direction right you know what it, it's crazy how it happened so um a few years ago you know when COVID was all out there um 
had a couple family members get it, my daughter being one, and it just took me over the top. You know, it was such a difficult time. I got her out of the place where she was. I put her in a hotel, you know, talking to her through the window. She was, how was she? She's 19. Just never been away from home, and I'm isolating her. And um, also trying to uh, sell a house. So many personal things going on. It's just, it just really took me left, I think. I was like, what in the world is happening in the world to me? But, you know, I'm not excused for, for ch challenging times, but that was really a tough time for me. And I remember talking to a friend of mine on the phone. He was doing some work, some yard work for me. And I had just left my daughter and I said, I'm going to get something sweet. I said, I think I'm going to go get some frozen custard. I said, because sweets make people happy. And then I said, one day I'm going to own a sweet shop because I want people to be happy. And he said, oh, I drive for this guy who owns a peach cobbler factory. And I was like, what? He said, yeah, it tastes pretty good, too. It's the peach cobbler factory. And um, they just started offering franchise opportunities. You should check it out. I couldn't believe what he said. Mm -hmm. I said, peach cobbler. I love peach cobbler. I love cobbler, period. I was like, better than birthday cake. I would rather have a pie or a cobbler. And um, the next day, I got on the website, peachcobblerfactory.com. And I, you know, emailed my, um, my email of interest. And they sent me back some information and I was talking to the uh, franchise partner like every other day. He met me in Louisville, my son and I, that's where the headquarters was located. He, and he said, I'm gonna you know, bring you here and let you taste the product and see if you love it. And then I'm gonna see if I love you and your son. I was like, okay. So we went in there, tasted it. And it was really a product that I could stand behind. Mm -hmm. It tasted good, you know, really did. And I couldn't think of anything else after it. I was like, I'm going to own a franchise. And people were like, oh, that's cute, Denise. That's good. They didn't think I was for real. Mm. And um, for my 50th birthday, I bought a franchise license. <laughs> Come on. That was Happy my present to me. You. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And it took me a while to um, get all the money that I needed, but I was really determined to get everything that I needed, work, save. Um, again, I was in the process of selling my home and I had intentions. I said, you can either buy another house or you can buy a business. And I chose to buy a business. Yeah. So again, one thing that I want to point out that I heard you say that I think is pivotal is you said something. <laughs> this opportunity mm -hmm. came to you because you said something. Because I said something. You yeah. said something. And I think for so many of us, mm. there are dreams and aspirations in us. It might not be entrepreneurial. Maybe it's something else. But when we don't say something, we are sometimes limiting and blocking our opportunities for the next step forward. Because mm -hmm. the key to unlocking where we go next is we got to open our mouths. We have to say Amen. something. And yes. it doesn't necessarily mean you got to tell everybody, 
but you got to right. say something. And when yeah. you said something, because you were comfortable enough with this friend, because you were vulnerable enough in that moment, you could have did the thing that we do and be like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm right. you know. And then when it got something, but because you said, you know what? I need something sweet. sweet. <laughs> like, right. Because you That's... were vulnerable and you said yeah. something, this person goes, hey, wait, you know, we don't have to mm -hmm. figure every single thing out ourselves. Sometimes we just need to open our mouths and trust yeah. that there have been people put in our lives who know something we don't, who know someone Ooh. we don't. And when you said that, it's yes. like, oh, here's this thing. And it could have been nothing. You could have just said mm, no, but you didn't do that. So I absolutely love that. The other thing that you said that I just really want to highlight is she said on my 50th birthday, you, yeah. I, I be having people coming in and it's it's cute and I don't minimize them, but they be in their 20s coming to talk to me, Thomas, and like, like life is over. And I'm like, you're so cute. Okay, let's take a break. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, but again, in this very ageist culture, mm -hmm. we, we get that 18 to 40 and that's when life happens. And I love yeah. that on your 50th birthday, a time period where people start mm -hmm. freaking out. What am I gonna yeah. do? What am I? <laughs> Denise said, "What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get my franchise license." <laughs> yeah. And so it is ne th this time frame. Sometimes we have to take a step back and reevaluate mm -hmm. the boxes that we put ourselves in. Mm -hmm. Some people might move to a second career, a third career, and that's mm -hmm. okay. That that yes. the years behind us doesn't mean time to do what we love has passed. It means we have had more opportunities to gain wisdom and lived experience and learn mm. things so that is so huge that you yeah. decided to do that so you went down there you you felt like it was a product that you could stand behind seems like uh -huh. they loved you and your son why they, yeah. why Cincinnati why Cincinnati you know I'm originally from Dayton Ohio but I moved to Cincinnati I've been here almost 30 years and um Cincinnati is is progressing to me I mean it's booming with all kinds of uh just diverse foods we're a foodie town kind of I believe we got lots of delicious restaurants and they're popping up all over the place and it's not your run-of-the-mill kind of uh restaurant like not chain restaurants people are actually starting to want to do their own thing here it's like an entrepreneurial food melting pot going on and even though mine is a franchise, it's very different than um, your dessert shops, very different than your ice cream places, your cupcakes. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, trying to touch that 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 Southern home style feeling in you, you know, that cobbler, that banana pudding. And, and they're capturing with this franchise, I feel like it captures, you know, the the older population because it, it makes them it reminds them of maybe something that they had when they were younger and I I get that sometimes from people oh this tastes like moms or this mm -hmm. tastes like when I was a kid and then they you know put a, a new spin on banana pudding by making those or adding things to it like the butterfinger mm -hmm. the cherry swirl let me tell y'all about that New York cheesecake that New York cheesecake <laughs> Okay. Yes. So it, it's delicious, but it has a familiarity to it that, you know, taps into that, that old, that nostalgia mm -hmm. to me. That's what I feel. And I feel like this is just the place to, to do it. We were the first ones open in Ohio. 
Yes, we were. That's so exciting. And yes. I'll tell you my observation when I come. We have been several times. Sometimes we got to be like, oh, we are not like just drive forward, drive forward. It's it's so good. Um, I love so much about the place. I love that when we when we saw the advertisements, it was just the food. It looked really good. We saw the location. We're like, oh, my God, that's that's really close to us. Let's go check it out. Um, I love when you walk in. Uh, I love the decor. Um, it's open and airy, but still warm and inviting. Um, and you walk in and I don't know her name. I've, I've never asked her name, but the person who were, who every time I've come, she's, she's been taking the orders. You walk in and you literally get the feeling that she is genuinely glad that you came in. Oh yeah. Just the hostess with the most. She is so inviting. And after the first time, now we do, we, we, we have a tendency to stand out sometimes. And, and I love that about Jay and I, but from the, after the first time, like she remembers us every time Mm -hmm. and you you can tell she remembers you. Right. And so you go in, you have this, this order, but I also am a large observer of people and what I love about this. So it is since it is, you know, Cincinnati is even on the wall, but it's in a northern suburb of Cincinnati. And what mm-hmm. I love yes. about it is the diversity of people who are coming through that door every time that oh, I Oh my gosh. It's a place for everybody. Everybody. And that that fills my spirit up so big. I mean, it stands up so big in me. I'm so happy about that. Even my staff who when I was interviewing and I have like some high school students who work for me and um, just, I like to get a vibe from people. So just talking to him, I was like, yeah, he would be a good fit. It's diversity in my staff. And it wasn't even intentional. It was just the vibe, but staff diversity, people come in here. It's a place for everyone. Someone's looking in the window right now, <laughs> trying to see, get in. Can I get in? It is, it is so diverse. And I'm talking about racial diversity. I'm talking about age diversity. Age, I yes. am talking about it, it. It is amazing. And so when we can, we sit and we eat in and I just yeah. love, love, love yeah. watching <clears throat> the diversity in the kitchen. Everyone is smiling. Everyone is yeah. here. You go like everyone is 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 the customer service is top notch. The music is always on point. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, always can vibe out. But when I when I come in our first time, my husband and I are there, and there were you know two people who were already sitting down, two older white women who were yeah. in there talking about how good it is, and then there was a above mm-hmm. middle aged white man right. who comes in, and we get to talking, and he sits right. down to eat, and I look at him to say how is it and he said something like I forgot his quote but it was kind of like don't talk to me while I'm finishing this you know he's like I gotta finish this it was so good and we were joking about that he like I gotta finish this up and I've seen children I've seen old you know I it is it is what I appreciate is this this has represented to me my hopes for entrepreneurs period but black entrepreneurs that yes I want to support black owned businesses but I don't want people to think that a black owned business is just for black people right so many people are coming in and you know you may or may not have known this but the look what was there before you all got there was a it was uh, an ice cream shop it was it was a craft ice cream store that was local 
right? So we would go mm-hmm. there because mm-hmm. we appreciated that while Cincinnati has this big ice cream brand that it's known for, we really appreciated. Mm-hmm. You're going to see your high school students work in there. You're going to see people who are local to this area and they're so, you know, so it it this this physical location I think people sometimes might come by not knowing that they're gone and be like, oh, what is this? It's still something sweet. And then they come Mm -hmm. in and they're welcomed and they're invited. I have heard so many people who will be like, "Mm, next time I'm going to get this. Because when you leave, before you leave, there is an expectation that you're coming back. Because you're like, okay, I can't get all this stuff on one time, but it's so good. And and the environment is so inviting that you are planning which one you're going to get before you even leave and I think that is a testament that's awesome the 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 atmosphere that you that you are bringing and like I said on our first visit you came out and you're like how is it you know it was just something about the owner caring enough to one be in there doing the work but also taking the time and then after that you like hand delivered some stuff to the people at the table next to us and and Uh it was just something about the environment that you've created the the intentionality between the people you've hired being knowing that you chose the person who was going to be the 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 first person that we see when we walk in and how the light that she brings that was Uh a level of intentionality that I wanted to be able to share with so many people yeah and it's hard (laughs) Yep, it is. No joke. So I am so thrilled that things are going well. And I know that it's hard. The entrepreneurial journey is hard. Food service is hard. I don't think people understand (laughs) everything that goes into food service, balancing food. Yeah. So all of that. So my question to you isn't as much like, tell us how hard it is, but tell us how you maintain how you mm-hmm. keep going and how you find the strength, even though it's hard to keep pursuing this passion of yours. Yeah. You know, um, it, it really goes back to what you said earlier, relationships. You know, I am, I'm also a, a praying person. You know, I, there was, there were a few times when I thought, what are you doing? You know, and can you keep up this pace? My, I was standing up. This is something I, I've never done before, you know. Um, I'm a novice at this, but I think I'm a, or just a rookie at all of this, but just not a rookie to hard work, though. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I believe I've been working hard since I was 16, you know. just I've always had a job. This is just something different. Um, I couldn't do this without the relationships that I have. My relationship with higher power, like I said, I pray a lot. Sometimes I, you know, I have tearful moments, but I don't stay in that place too long. Um, I always keep it moving. Uh, I know my uncle, who was kind of like my right arm here, he um, he would help me in the kitchen, would keep me going, would, you know, help with the prep, cleaning. He was... Um, he was awesome. Well, he still is awesome. But I had one oven and nobody really knows this, but the day before I opened, one of my ovens went down. Oh, wow. And I have two convection ovens, not very big. And the crowd that I got was amazing. 
but the amount of product that we had to put out was over the top with one oven, you know? So we were getting out of here at like two, three o'clock in the morning, trying to get things prepped for the next day. And I remember one day we just got slammed and it was a good thing, but it was just my uncle, uh, a cousin and myself, and then the person at the front. And um, at the end, we looked at the, we got through it. The kitchen was a disaster. And um, uh, one of my cousins, she was like, I gotta go. And my uncle and I were left there and we were like, oh my gosh. And my uncle said, I'm not going home. I'm just gonna stay. And I said, well, if you're not going home, I'm not going home. And he was like, both of us can't stay here. I said, I'm not going home either. So we started cleaning up and prepping. And then I think it was like 2.30 in the morning and he just, he was washing the dishes and he looked at me and said, now, if we gonna be partners in this, we both can't be like this. You have to go home and get some sleep. Mm. And then um, I told him that he had to come home with me. He would not. So I went home about 2.30ish, got back about 6.30 and he was still working, but he had gotten so much done. So he stayed here the whole night. Mm. And um, he said he was gonna go home and I told him not to go. But I was like, can you just take a nap in your car? He said, no. And then I said, well, can you just talk to auntie the whole way? And he said he could make it. And he said, um, you know, uh, I said, well, the thing about when you're sleepy is you don't know that you're sleepy when you're driving. You know, it just comes on you. He said he would call her. He was stubborn. He didn't. And he got into a horrible car accident. So sorry. Um, Because he fell asleep at the wheel. And um, I'm just thankful that he's here. But I'm, I was a total mess because I didn't have him to support me like I had hoped. And he went through the training with me and everything. Um, my cousin who was helping me, you know, this is like you said, this is more than a notion. It is not for the, the fainted heart. It is not, it's taxing on the body. Mm-hmm. And this was something that, you know, she had to think about herself and her health and where she wanted to be. And it it's probably not what she anticipated. So I respect that. And so she left about a couple of days later after Uncle Jerry's accident. And then I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, and I almost gave up and I almost let, you know, gave up part of my business, hoping that, you know, I, I would get a partner to help me um, and me not even know what my business is worth at that time, but just feeling that feeling of desperation and, you know, insecure, insecurity. But um, I don't know what happened one night. I was just, just tearful, uh, praying. And I just woke up and I said, I don't want a partner right now. I need to learn my own business and figure out what I can do and what is actually worth. And I want to do this the way that I want to do it. I didn't work this hard to give it up. 
you know? So I didn't do that. My uncle Jerry, he told me to stay the course. And so that's what I said I was going to do, whatever it takes. And um, I put my my life savings and my whole heart into this. And I'm going to give it everything that I've got. And um, God has just brought so many good people my way. You know, Aretha is her name. That's the person who works the front of the house. Mm-hmm. She's one of them. Another gentleman, he kind of stepped up. His name is Michael. They just stepped up, came here, and just stayed and did whatever needed to be done to help me. And then the high school um, high school young men that I hired, they are hardworking people. Mm. You know, they get those tickets done. And I'm like, wow, my family, my mother has come and helped me. Um, my daughter, my son is like, everybody has come to help me because they don't want to see me fail and I don't want to fail. So I'm going to do everything that I can, um, not to. I got chills. I feel warm all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, our stories, you said this, but our stories matter. And Mm -hmm. I know your story touched me. I know it's going to touch so many other people. I'm so glad that you stayed the course. I hope Uncle Jerry yeah. continues to recover and that he yes. does well. And, you know, as you were talking, uh, shout out to Aretha, y'all. She's amazing, beautiful. Yes, she brightest is. smile, so kind. Um, yes. And in, in, in everyone, like I've encountered there. But I also want to just note that, you know, as you were talking, I went back to your grandmother in that oh. kitchen and the investment, I'm about to cry now. <laughs> the investment that she made in you by seeing you, by nurturing oh. you, by teaching you, by loving you in yes. the kitchen, she is in you and you get to give that to so many other people. So I, I am so glad that people are supporting you. But I also want you to know that people support people often because they feel seen, they feel loved, they feel valued Mm -hmm. and they keep coming back and showing up for you because you're worthy of that support because of how much Mm -hmm. you invest in other people. And Mm -hmm. I, I can, I can bear witness to that as a consumer, Mm -hmm. as a person who's come in, you know, I've been, I've, I've, I've lived a lot of life. I've seen a lot of things and I can tell when people don't like their job. (laughs) even if they're smiling, (laughs) even if they're giving good customer service, right? Mm -hmm. I can tell when it's like, all right, I got to do this for a few more hours. But when I come in, I get the sense of family. I've seen those young men Mm -hmm. come from behind that curtain and, Mm -hmm. and, and the diligence. And so I, I, you know, people, so many people will never know how hard Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship is period. But the, the, the food industry, it is killer. It, yeah. it is something else. And yes. that's why I knew I had to get out. Yes, yes <laughs> but I feel you. <laughs> what, I, what I realize is, you know, it might've been a different story had I been working for you. You wow. know, that that's a different story. And so mm-hmm. I feel so grateful for mm-hmm. those who get to work with you. I feel grateful for us who get to come and get an amazing product and an amazing service from an amazing person. And mm-hmm. I just hope that people who are listening can really take away the magnitude of 
who you are and what you've shared today, all the way from second career, even if you've been doing something for a long time, yeah. when you're somewhere and it's trying to change you into someone you don't want to be, you don't have to Amen. stay, right. you know, following the passion or the thing that you've always sought and it's made you hold, you know, prioritizing mm-hmm. relationships. All of this has been essentially, I think, a masterclass for some people on just what they need to hear to take that next step into whatever it is that they mm-hmm. do. So I, I just have so much gratitude for your humble spirit, yet fierce, humble, yet yeah. fierce spirit wow. that allows Thank you to you. do that. So wow. is there anything I didn't ask or anything that we didn't get to talk about that you want to share or any parting words for, for me and my mm-hmm. listeners? Well, I just, I just feel that um, if it if it's in you, if something is in you, if there's a, a fire in in anybody to do something that they've always wanted to do, you know, fan that flame. You know, it may take you just even a baby step toward it. You know, uh, maybe you do it on a smaller scale. You just never know what that one step may may turn into or, or where it may lead you. Um, I had no idea that I was going to own like a franchise, but you know, that food thing never, ever left me. And I think that even going back to, to my grandmother, who was such a, a big part of my life. And um, when she passed away, I was with her, you know, holding her hand. I was the one just looking at her and we had a very, very special relationship. And I do believe that she's with me all the time and that she's, she did this actually. Mm -hmm. She helped me and um, I hope she's proud of me. You know, I hope she's looking down at me and saying, that's my girl, you know, she's doing that thing. So I think I'm living proof. I don't have a lot of money, you know, I don't, I come from extremely humble beginnings, but I just had something that stood up real big in me and I listened to it and I just took it, took that big old leap of faith. And, um, here we go. Here I am. Fan that flame. I love it. So Janine, if someone is listening and they want to reach out, they have questions or maybe they like, how do I get some of that? some of that cobbler and some of that <laughs> pudding how can yeah. people find you yeah well I am at my location just about every day and we're at uh 7736 Dudley Drive in Westchester it's in the Tylersville Farm Shopping Center and um two like well-known places we're right in between Plato's Closet and East Sporta so right in between there right in that shopping center. So you could come out and see me. Ask for Deneen. I'll come out the back. I'd love to see people. I'm all, I'm working the tickets. I've done every job here. I've worked the front. I've worked the back. I've cleaned up. I've done the dishes. I've put the food up. I've rotated. Um, I want to do everything. So, yes. And is yeah. there a website where they might find you? You know, we have a, a general website, uh, the Peach Cobbler Factory uh, does. It's just peachcobblerfactory.com. And all of the Peach Cobbler franchises are on there. And you can just click the one on Westchester. You can order online. 
Um, we do have a Facebook page that is specifically ours. It's uh, a peach cobbler factory dash Westchester slash Cincinnati. You can find me on there. You can send me a message and I usually respond. Yes, you do. Pretty quickly. <laughs> Deneen, it has genuinely been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having you. me. And thank you for taking the time out. Y'all. I love her spirit. If you are oh. anywhere in the area, you coming through Cincinnati, stop by and see her. I promise you won't be disappointed. Um, I want to give a special shout out to Trey Angel, who does my music. I want to thank my producer, Jay Sugg from Instant Classic Media. I want to thank you, my listeners, for tuning in. I do want to remind you that I have a Patreon. So if you benefit from this podcast or all the other things that I do that are no cost to you, but still cost me very much, consider going over to the Patreon and providing support. Not only will you be supporting me being able to provide free and low cost things for others, but you get awesome Patreon exclusive content every single month. So I um, wanted to put that out there. And don't forget, we're on all the major social media outlets. So if you are not following on social media, give us a follow. And Take the time, please give us that five-star rating. Go ahead and write a review on the platform of your choice um, and share the podcast with your loved ones and friends. Until we connect again, you all be well.